today's show, I have Dr. Brian Lima, a cardiac surgeon who has written a new book called Heart to Beat, A Cardiac Surgeon's Inspiring Story of Success and Overcoming Adversity the Heart Way. And what's really cool about it is it's not only a story of Dr. Lima's journey from basically childhood through school to becoming a practicing surgeon, but it's also a guidebook of how you can incorporate Dr. Lima's, I would say, hard-won knowledge and the wisdom he wants to pass on to basically everyone. So let's give a big welcome to the show to Dr. Brian Lima. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, I could have really expanded on that intro. There's so many, um, you know, awards, your education, you know, the hospitals you've worked at. You're a man of great accomplishment, but let's just start with, you know, where you are here now. You're, um, you helped launch the first heart transplant program on Long Island in New York. And with all, you know, you have on your plate all this good work you're doing, you decided to sit down and write a book. So I'm really, you know, curious why at this point in your career did you think it was the right time to write this book? Well, it's um, it's been uh, something I've been working on, my labor of love, so to speak, for the past uh, five to six years. And it really uh, was born out of my belief that uh, I can really help inspire others, uh, my story, uh, to reach their full potential. Um, what I tell uh, about my story in my life, uh, what I've went through in Heart to Beat, is really proof positive uh, that slow and steady still wins the race. The American dream is alive and well. And really it's a matter of um, putting in the work, putting in the time, uh, and sky's the limit. And that's really the central message uh, of the book. Absolutely. And, you know, I was lucky to also get an advanced copy. And in reading it, what I really got out of it was, you know, I think one of your main things is just living a life of integrity. That's exactly right. It's um, uh, integrity uh, or gravitas. It's really um, what are you doing when nobody's looking, I think. Uh, staying true to yourself, to your moral compass, to your purpose. Um, one of the first uh, sort of realizations I had in that regard that dawned on me, um, you know, as a, as a youngster, and I talk about in the book, is this sense of an urgency of purpose, uh, having a, a clear-cut understanding uh, and reason of what you're doing, why you're doing it, um, and making sure that the, that reason is, is the right reason. Uh, it's not a self-serving agenda. It's It's got to be uh, about the greater good, more than just about uh, you. Well, you talked about right off the bat in the book, you know, your parents, you know, the inspiration you take from them, just how thankful you are to them. Um, you know, they they fled from Cuba in 1968 to come here. You know, what what is, you know, the main part of their story that you take strength from? It sounds like they were very good role models for you. For, yeah, they were. I mean, I, uh, all of my success in large part is due to the example they set. And, uh really with 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 nothing not knowing the language very little money what they were able to pass down is the the, the main lesson that i i preach in heart to beat is is that hard work really is the essence it's the ultimate talent um you know success is not you know 
bestowed, it's earned, uh, and it's really those that can put forth the greatest amount of effort, uh, consistent effort, not getting complacent. Uh, that's the key, and that's the lesson that you know my father would impart on you know to me on a regular basis at these these really special kitchen table chats that we would have on a regular basis growing up, which I miss dearly. But uh, those were the that was the, how the foundation uh, of my future success was laid. Well, there's one part in the book you talk about when you're in the eighth grade, and you had this turning point that really affected the rest of your life. So why don't you share, you know, what this turning point was for you? Sure. Um, Well, it's one of the many stories I share in Heart to Beat uh, that I think almost anyone can relate to. It's it's when I really came face-to-face with the consequences of what half-hearted effort uh, brings forth. And it was my eighth-grade graduation, and my closest friend, uh, Gerard, who's also from an immigrant family, uh, won every award, every accolade. And I remember sitting there just completely uh, humiliated. Uh, I felt like I had let myself down, my family down, really because I knew that I didn't put forth my best effort. Uh, It was half-hearted. I I really didn't do my best. And that's really all my parents had ever asked of me. They, They... they didn't. They weren't demanding. They weren't, you know, specifically expecting straight A's. All they ever asked of me was to do my best, and I knew I didn't deliver that. And that feeling, that sort of pit in my stomach that I felt, was something I never wanted to feel again. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, that's what awoke this sort of urgency of purpose. That from that moment forward, I was on a mission, and no matter what, I was always going to bring my A game. Now. College, under any circumstances, is a challenge, but, you know, to go off to medical school and at the level that you did to become a surgeon, that's, that's, a, that's a big career to take on. Did you have role models in your life up to that point? I mean, who were the people that directed you to medical school? Was that all just from within? Did you just say, I want to take the biggest challenge I can take? Well, it was uh, somewhat fortuitous in that, I didn't have role models immediately uh, in my vicinity, you know, at home or in my family, uh, but I found them, uh, you know, in experiences that I sought out, uh, you know, pursuing my interest in science and medicine. I um, did a summer program uh, at NYU Medical School uh, in one of my, between my junior and senior year of college, and that's when I was introduced to the world of surgery and got to actually observe surgery and it was it was really an amazing epiphany uh that i uh, you know just watching surgery watching someone cure somebody literally you know technically with their hands it really had an impact on me and it then at that moment became very clear to me that that's what i wanted to do with my life and so i was very specific about what exactly in medicine i wanted to pursue so having that clarity uh also was very helpful in helping me, you know, plot out my, my battle plan, so to speak, um, and uh, go to medical school, you know, hitting the ground running. Um, and um, I think that's also very, very important, especially if you're going after something that you, you know, you want to call your calling. Uh, that It really has to be very clearly defined. Well, one part of the book that I, I was really taken with is when you talk about uh, Dr. David Sachs, who was, 
you know, something of a mentor to you, that you, you know, you knew who he was, you sought him out and said, I want to, you know, learn what this guy has to teach. It sounds like, you know, when you have key people in your life like that, that take an interest and in, in the whole idea of mentorship, you know, explain a little bit about, you know, what he meant to you and how I think the rest of us, you know, can seek out mentors in our lives. Sure. So I, in medical school, I gravitated towards uh, the science of transplant. I just really was fascinated by that biology and how you could get organs to work in different, you know, in different bodies and, and how, how that was achieved and the, the challenge it was to find enough organs for all the, you know, millions of people that need them. And uh, I really wanted to do a, do a deep dive in that area and really research in that area. And it just so happened that uh, he was literally and is by many could still consider the world's foremost uh, transplant scientist, um, ran this amazing lab at Harvard Medical School. And uh, it was, you know, email was still relatively new, but I reached out to him and he responded. And uh, it was just amazing that he took the time to carefully uh, counsel me on what he could offer, the experience that he could offer in his lab. And then once I got there, uh, just the hands-on, uh, taking the time to explain. I mean, he's really who I learned science from, uh, how to how to write a scientific article, how to ask important scientific questions. And to this day, when I counsel or advise or mentor medical students or, or trainees in surgery, uh, it's kind of what I learned from Dr. Sachs that I impart on them. And so it's sort of this... Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. So, uh, and I talk a lot about that in the book. It's just when you do something, uh, not self-serving, but for the greater good, uh, you really uh, have a tremendous halo effect uh, of uh, benefit for so, for so many people down the road. Well, in your book, you touch upon, and I hate to rag on millennials, but it's kind of fun. At <laughs> yes. But, you know, this generation... They've got their nose in their phone all the time. They're not really looking up and engaging with people. Do you think that this generation is missing out on just connecting with more experienced people, with mentors? And if so, how can we get this current generation to look up and actually seek out, you know, people that can give them, you know, wisdom, that can give them, you know, maybe a uh, uh, a jump start to say, look, you don't have to create everything from scratch, people. You know, you've got these people, you know, who are over 40 who are out there that want to help you. Right. Well, you know, that's in large part another reason why I was compelled to write this book because of these observations that, you know, you just uh, mentioned. Uh, I think it starts with getting the message out, you know, saying uh to our younger generations, hey, look, you know, it's there's more to you know the world out there than what's on your screen, you know, and you got to roll up the sleeves and get after it. That this is a, you know, you you can't do this from the comfort of your, you know, thumb roll on the screen. And so I think it starts with communication. It starts with being more actively involved with younger folks and 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 trying to get them out of their shell, push them out of their shell. Um, so communication is key. And as I discuss in Heart to Beat, um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Much of my success was reverse engineering the success that I saw others achieve. 
Uh, and that's another huge message in the book that there's no way I could have done it on my own. It got me, you know, the hard work and all that can get you to a point, but it can't, you know, get you all the way there. To get all the way there, you really have to, you know, the nuance, the, you know, what's in between the lines, the methodology, all those things. You have to seek out who's really done it exceedingly well and reverse engineer that and apply it in your life. Well, one word you use in your book, and it's such a great word, it's also, I think, one of your themes is the idea of gravitas, you know, presenting yourself with dignity when you go out there in the professional world. And, you know, I hate to generalize again, but, you know, there is, I think, in the the current generation, you know, a very casual look a lot of the time. Workplaces seem to be a lot more casual. I know there are offices where you can actually bring your dog to work with you now, mm-hmm. which kind of blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> right. But this whole idea of, you know, maybe it's okay to sometimes be a little more formal and just to, you know, do that extra step to show the world that you're a professional. Right, and and um, you know, I I try to uh, insert uh, some humor into that because it is a, a bit of a touchy subject because there is such the uh, much of that generational kind of uh, misunderstanding, um, and uh, I guess you see that in every generation. But I, I use the example, and as I admit, it's an extreme example and hard to beat of my surgical training. And you know, it's like the ultimate example of rigidity and hierarchy and you know formality. And um, but it, I owe so much. As unpleasant as it was for for those you know several years, I owe so much to that. I, I value what I went through to. And you know the other way I spin it is you know imagine when you're on the other side and you know you or a loved one are seeing you know a physician or a surgeon and how you would you know uh, be comforted or feel. Uh, if if that individual lacked professionalism or didn't look the part, so to speak, and I think um, you know it's it's difficult to um, you know walk that line and convey these messages because we do live in a very PC world, and so sometimes it's easy. You know, people can get their feathers ruffled fairly easily if you start to bring up, well, you know, maybe we should go about this a different way or present yourself in a different way. So, uh, but it's the reality, and I, I think appearances do matter in uh, in many circumstances, and formality is important and has a, and has its place. So, I do uh, uh, discuss those at length in the book. Yes, I think that's a very compelling message, and I think you know for people who want to read this as an inspiration, I think that's a very strong message. I think it also uh, goes hand in hand with you talk about, you know, when you. Uh, got a scholarship to an Ivy League school, you know, which was a little outside of your comfort zone. And I think, you know, the whole idea of, you know, young people just being around people that make them feel comfortable, not getting outside of their circle, you know, what could you say about, you know, your experience? And it's a great part of the book. Here you are, you know, you're excited. You go to this Ivy League school, but suddenly, you know, you're thrown outside of your comfort zone. You know, what did you take away from that? So much. For starters, you know, in retrospect, I I learned that, you know, to get to where you want to get to, to succeed, there is no easy way to get there. There is going to be failure. There are going to be setbacks, disappointments. 
it's not a straight line lined with uh, you know unicorns and rainbows. There's pain, unfortunately. That's the only way to get better. It's being pushed beyond your comfort zone. Uh, you know, and I use a lot of sports analogies also, uh, but that's how you get better. It's practice. It's repetition. It's you know finding where your limits are and then you know going back to that and see if you can push just a little bit further and just a little bit further and uh, over and over again in hard to beat and with each subsequent chapter it's i i remark on wow i can't believe i made it this far i can't believe what uh what you can what somebody can accomplish you just so many of us don't give ourselves credit for what we can do uh we we like to think that um success is just some you know, only special people have it, you know, or they're, they're, it's preordained, so to speak. They're, they're born with that talent. And, and this book, Hard to Beat, is really the antithesis of that idea. It's really not that. You don't have to be special. And, and that was the major lesson what I learned when I was thrust into uh, this world of <laughs> outside of my comfort zone. Well, you've got this great quote on your Facebook page. It says, success is not reserved for the smartest or most talented. It's earned by those who want it the most. Very interesting, because a lot of people are always thinking negatively. I don't have this. I didn't come from this situation. I don't have enough money. I didn't score high enough on my SATs. But, boy, what if if you just have that hunger in your heart? You know, how important is that self-motivation? Well, uh, I, I came up with this uh, phrase or concept of uh, artificial intelligence. Obviously, I have to throw, I have to splice in the word heart wherever I can to make it, you know, hey. interesting. But <laughs> uh, so artificial intelligence is this concept of what you lack in uh natural talent or smarts you can make up for in just you know sheer effort um it, it may take you longer uh, as it did in my case uh to get the information in there to master a subject but you will labor at it until you do much longer than others who are are willing to throw in the towel much earlier on in the process and i think that that is really the essence of you know, hard. You know, a strong work ethic be the ultimate talent because talent can only get you so far. It's how willing are you to put yourself, you know, through that discomfort to get better. You know, to do what you do. You know, to get to the point of you know, getting out of school, being in a residency, and you know, becoming a surgeon. Let's just talk for a moment. Um, in the book, you talk about you know when you're had your residency and just. You know, it seems like that's the thing that separates the people who are really going to move forward, and it's almost like this boot camp experience. You know, how did you get through that, and what did that kind of do to your resolve when you thought, you know what, you know, I'm going to be here when I'm too tired or when I just don't feel like it? And I think this young generation has lost a little bit of that when you have to force yourself to do something whether or not you feel like it. Right, right. Well, you know, so much of that obstacle or, or, you know, hurdle that is even worse now for for the youth of today is because 
they're flooded with images of overnight success, right? This, the, the, the technology age, social media, you know, uh, that's all they see. You know, folks that didn't have to work that hard, or that's what's overrepresented, uh, you know, in what they are seeing. And so that in of itself kind of colors their view uh, in, uh, as, as what they're willing to do to get to where they want to get to. And in my case, um, getting through residency, um, as hellacious as it was, uh, and brutal and grueling, um, I had to tap into ambition. Uh, ambition, you know, as I define it, more so as a, a like a turbo boost, like a motivational force. You know, finding what are those buttons that you can push uh, that are you know are going to get you through, you know, to that to that next level when you're just at that moment of weakness and you want to throw in the towel. And for me, it was my parents, my family, and just constantly keeping in mind the sacrifices that they made, uh, that I wasn't going to let all that be in vain, that I was going to, you know, push myself. And that's what I would use when I was really at my wits end about to call it quits. Uh, and I think everybody has that. Either it's a purpose greater than themselves or um, someone in, in, from their life or a memory, something that can help them through those really, really trying times, which we all face, but have to come up with a way to power through. You know, you talk about ambition, and I think that's a double-edged sword. You know, you need that mm -hmm. ambition to, you know, take action, but some people, they maybe go a little too far, and ambition becomes its own goal, not the actual work. You know, how do you personally define ambition? So ambition, as I define it, is a, a very powerful motivational force. It's really what can allow somebody, as it did in my case, to overcome the fear of failure, to, to uh, persevere uh, when things got really, really rough, to ignore the critics and the naysayers, to stay at it all those years. You know, I trained for 10 years after medical school. It's the longest track in all of medicine. So ambition was, was the, you know, what I needed to get me through that. But it can't be purely self-serving. You can't do it at the expense of others. Uh, you, you always have to keep it as a grander purpose, the whole gravitas uh, topic we discussed before. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's easier said than done because, like you said, it, it, the, the drive becomes its own, you know, monster, so to speak, and it's hard to turn it off. And I, in Heart to Beat, I do talk about, you know, the price you pay sometimes for going all in when you're putting so much of yourself into something, into your calling. So it, it's, it's sometimes you lose yourself a little bit. And uh, I talk about examples from my own life where I kind of lost my own identity uh, of who I was as a person. It com it became completely wrapped up in being a heart surgeon. And, you know, I had a failed marriage as a result. But, you know, it's recognizing that and what I did to sort of come out of that um, that I also discussed because it's a reality. You know, it's we're human. And sometimes despite our best efforts to do the right thing and to accomplish something that we really believe is worthwhile, uh, sometimes um, there's unintended consequences, but that's the reality of life. 
and you know those are just challenges we all face. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap up here, I got a couple more questions, but I want to make sure people know how to find you and your book online. Um, so the book is available for pre-order right now. It's available for pre-order now through Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it'll officially be uh, released February 18th. Excellent. Well, when I first um, saw your book, you know what it reminded me of was uh, another surgeon who wrote a very popular book, Dr. Ben Carson. And <laughs> it's in hands. And it, <laughs> yes, and it's just so interesting, you know, the path he took after that and the opportunities that his book brought out. I mean, where do you see this book going? Are you going to be giving speeches? Have you been, you know, appearing you know, to crowds to talk about, you know, what you talk about in your book? Uh, yeah, I think sky's the limit. I'm open to anything. I uh, have already spoken to some groups, to students at a high school, to um, even other physicians. Um, but, uh, you know, I think each chapter in the book, uh, you know, can in and of itself be potentially a, a book in and of itself, you know, or really an it's hard to really uh, fully flesh out a topic uh, as deep as some of the things I get into in Heart to Beat. And so I, maybe there will be a heart to book series, who knows. Uh, but, uh, yes, I, I really love talking about this. Yeah, the only thing I love more is talking about heart surgery, but the book is not about just heart surgery. The, the heart surgery part of it is just the backdrop for the bigger story. Uh, and I actually joke about gifted hands uh, in the in the book because I say this is not just another book about surgery or medicine. Uh, if so, I would have named it Dazzling Digits as like a nod to gifted hands. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's really, like I said, and, and we've talked about, it's it's a universal story uh, of uh, of being an underdog, of powering through, and there's I think something in it for everybody, and, and I think it really can help people reach their full potential if they're willing to try. Well, to wrap up, if you had one message you could give to the new generation, especially the people who are just graduating from high school, entering college, there's a lot of people who just can't figure out what to do with their life. And mm-hmm. it seems like it's it's not just the career path you take, but the kind of person you want to become in the process, too. Like you said, you know, a lot of young people just want to be Instagram influencers, they don't necessarily want to hone a craft or a skill. What would be your message to those young people? I'd say that first and foremost, don't sell yourself short. You're capable of much more than you think you are. And when you think about what it is you want to make of your life, uh, look at it from the perspective of how can you make the world a better place? Uh, Because at the end of the day, uh, it can't just all be about you, about some self-serving, you know, get-rich-quick scheme or how can I, you know, get richest the quickest way possible. It can't be about money. Uh, the more money you have, the more problems you have. It's never really fulfilling. Uh, we're, we're, we're not wired that way. Uh, we're fooled sometimes into thinking that, but it's got, it can't be just about money. It's got to have a greater, grander purpose uh, intended for the greater good. And I think if you use that as a guide uh, and you're truly passionate about it, I don't think you can go wrong. 
Well, I highly recommend not just young adults read your book, but basically anyone who wants an inspiring story. And, you know, besides the inspiration, just the mechanics of what you do, it's very interesting. You know, you're, you're at the brink of technology, technology and you're in a field that I think is going to get more and more, you know, Star Trek-ish, you know, year by yeah. year. So, so, so I think, you know, your whole thing is, um, you know, one part inspiration, one part just the science and technology of, I think, a field that is going to be increasingly important. You know, as we age, you know, people are living longer. I just think you're in probably one of the most exciting fields out there right now. I would have to agree 100%. I love what I do, and I wouldn't trade places with anybody in the world. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today, and I encourage everyone out there to look up your book, Heart to Beat, A Cardiac Surgeon's Inspiring Story of Success and Overcoming Adversity the Heart Way. Thank you so much, Dr. Lima, and I just wish you much success for this book when it comes out. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for having me.